said I wasn't going to say nothing. But it's a lot of people that don't seem to understand what on-site means. On-site is action. That means upon arrival, once your presence has been acknowledged that hands will be laid and debts will be paid. Hi, I'm Doyen. And this is Chris. And this is Poor Life Decisions. Welcome back to Poor Life Decision. Um, we're opening today with Miss Sherlene from The Christie Show on Instagram. And that's just going to be the move for today to understand what on site means. How are you doing tonight, Doyen? <laughs> I'm doing just dandy, but also um, the gin has already started coursing through my system, so that always helps. So, so I was about to ask, what are you drinking tonight? So you're drinking gin, yeah, and tonic. Well, I too am drinking <laughs> gin. I'm trying um, something. Well, it's new to me. It's seersucker Southern style limeade. I tried that. I love that. Well, the lady at the store told me that all I needed was a few cubes of ice and just pour it over the ice. But um, I clearly am a lightweight because <laughs> I I couldn't handle it. So I added a little tonic water to it and I am thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah, I do like mostly gin, ice, and then some sparkling water over it. Oh, sparkling water would have been nice. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to try that next time. That would have been nice. Because technically, tonic has, like, carbs, and sparkling water doesn't. See, you learn something new every day. I had no idea that tonic water had carbs. <laughs> it has water right there in the name. Why does it have carbs? I don't know. but That is, <laughs> that is like, not fair. <laughs> So this week was just full of a lot of beef and drama and anger that just mostly wasn't necessary. Yes. <laughs> so at the top of our most unnecessary beef would be Cardi B and Nicki Minaj. Yeah. So what did you think about all that? Um, I'm gonna keep it really short and sweet. <laughs> uh, it makes me sad because I love both of them, and you know who you, you know what I really think about it? They need new people, both of them need new people. It seems like Nikki has a lot of yes men around her, and somebody needs to let her know that the stuff that she's doing and saying is unnecessary. And I feel like Cardi needed someone I don't understand how it got to that point like the minute she started hey you you come here this, this minute she started doing that I feel like her bodyguard should just picked her up and took her outside so I wasn't 100% because there's a lot of stories going around but it seemed like from what Cardi said she said that Nikki was talking about her child and that's why she was ready to pop off. Um, 
so I I have a I have a thing where I especially celebrities that I like, I look at them like they're my friends in real life. Mm-hmm. So that's probably going to be a problem if I want to be a podcaster. But um, I think that that was Cardi's excuse. I think Cardi's feelings are very real, very valid. I think she's probably still, and I hate to say this, I hate it, I hate it. But I do think she's probably still very hormonal. She's got a lot going on. And I think she already felt a way about Nikki. So the thing was, it wasn't that she said something about her child. Um, uh, Nick, I mean, Cardi put out a tweet that welcomed Kodak Black back home. Some fan or somebody else responded to that tweet and said, how can you support this person who's a rapist and you have a daughter? I, and I, if I'm not mistaken, the tweet said like a child rapist and you're a daughter and you have a daughter. And Nikki supposedly liked the tweet, then unliked it. Now, I don't know if any of that is true as far as whether she liked or unliked it. Um, the only blog that I really <laughs> believe when I read is Fame, which I think she's changed the name of her blog to Gossip in the City. But uh, she said it was Photoshop. But I'm just going to toss this out here. Do we think that Nikki would like a tweet that condemns someone of being a child molester when her brother is going through the things that he's going through? That's all I'm saying. I don't know whether it. I don't. I don't know whether it's true that she liked it or not. But that's what it stemmed from. That that's what Cardi was saying that it stemmed from was her liking the tweet that she says questioned her parenting skills. But we all know that this has been going on for a long time. And I guess it just came to a head. Honestly, I think both these girls need like Olivia Pope yes. and Iana Vanzant, even yes. though I'm not 100% down with half of the stuff she does. They both need to have <laughs> Yes, because it's just like at the end of the day, this stuff isn't like it's not logical. It's not beneficial to their careers, right? Um, there's just not enough women rappers out here, and right. I think that was that was my frustration with Nikki is because like every time you turn around, she's beefing with a female rapper. She don't beef with no do rappers. <laughs> she yeah. literally just always fighting with female rappers. And for the longest time, I was a huge Nicki fan. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to listen to Lil' Kim because they always fighting. And, you know, again, this is me being super behind on Black culture. I started listening to Nick, uh, Lil' Kim one day, and I was like, girl, <laughs> I have been depriving myself of all of this just because of Onika? No. And so <laughs> I think that's the day, like, the table started to turn with me. was just, I was I'm so frustrated with her constantly fighting with all these other women rappers. And I'm like, I don't want to choose a side anymore. And so, but I chose Cardi B. <laughs> and I, I'm still, I'm still neutral. I've, I've never, I've never chose a side. I, I like little Kim. I was never a huge little Kim fan, not in the way that I consider myself a Nikki fan, but little Kim definitely has records that I like the album that she put out before she got locked up was like hands down the best. Like you can listen to that one and definitely not skip a track. 
Um, I've always liked Remy. I, I actually loved Remy and I still do love Remy and I am a Remy fan. And quickly, I want to just give a quick shout out to Remy because she's on uh, Revolt's new show, State of the Culture. And I think that's a big up for her. I think I think that's going to boost her up a lot. So I still kind of remain neutral and I'm, I just want them to get it together. Yeah. So in addition to that, for long going social media beast, um, what did you think about Nas and Khalees? Um, <laughs> I don't know what to think. Like, what do you think? I, I don't, clearly someone is lying and someone is telling the truth. And I don't know who to believe. Um, as a feminist, <laughs> somebody who clearly loves to choose sides, I, I'm still with belief. Like, I just never want a woman to feel like she can't speak up for herself. And, um, you know, like, if there was abuse that occurred, that she can't report that abuse because nobody will believe her. And so I lean towards trusting a woman every time. Yes, and I do that too. And to be honest, I I 100% believe Khalees on that. Uh, I'm not even sure that he necessarily denies that. Um, But what the things that he was saying about their child, their son, and she's not allowing him to be as active as he wants to be, I just, I don't know. I I believe her when she says that he is manipulative and that he likes to control the narrative. I believe her when she says that. Um, I also, when I see him put out this whole iOS press conference that he put out, I, I, and to be honest, I didn't read the whole thing because that was a lot, but I, it's like, he's so calm and it's like, well, what, do father if a father is not being kept from his child is he mad about it i i just i don't know who to believe and i'm kind of upset with them for putting me in this position <laughs> i just i just miss the good old days when tmz didn't have a twitter account and you know you could kind of just <sighs> decide what your celebrity was and unless it came out on page 6 you know, you know, the news weren't out there like that. <laughs> and I and I miss that because we didn't you didn't know who was beefing with who unless you know you lived in New York or something. Of awards happen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, well, but otherwise there were some good things that happened this week. Um Drake and Meek kissed made up. So if you could see me right now, you would see that I'm <laughs> dancing in my chair because that made my heart smile and not only did they make up but then they went and played ping pong afterwards and my little black girl heart is just smiling so big but somebody told me that drake is just trying to get everybody on his side for when he comes for kanye's neck oh i believe it listen which would also make me happy Okay, listen, Drake and Kanye have never liked each other. And, you know, 
people people kept saying, why is he, why was he making so many references to Kanye when Pusha's the one who made the diss? Pusha's never been the issue. He and Kanye never liked each other, but they both recognized each other for being good at what they do. So they work together. But yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also Mr. John Legend reached EGOT status. Oh, yes! <laughs> yes! I'm so happy for him. And it's just so funny because like we I feel like I started off loving John Legend and then he married Chrissy Teigen and then I love Chrissy Teigen more. Like I feel like she dropped shock <laughs> in the relationship. But I'm just so happy for him. Chrissy is one of my hands down favorite Twitter followers. I mean, well, that I follow her. She does not follow me. (laughs) She does not follow me. But I'm so glad I followed her. But what did he win the Tony for? I believe he won it for Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yay. That's what I was trying to think. And the Oscar was for what? Selma? Maybe. I don't even remember because Oscars wasn't recent. I don't remember. I don't remember, but it seems like I do remember him winning an Oscar, but I couldn't for the life of me remember what the Tony came from. But man, that made me happy. That made me feel proud. (laughs) That made me feel almost as happy as (laughs) Oprah wearing (laughs) Ivy Park. (laughs) So in my mind, I think Oprah (laughs) and the Obamas Maybe even Martha Stewart, I feel like, and the Carters, I feel like they have dinner parties that we don't know about. So I feel like they're super just like in awe and love with each other. So Oprah's like, oh my gosh, Beyonce, I love you so much. And Beyonce's like, oh my gosh, Oprah, I love you so much. You know, like, I just, oh my God. These people are like the black pantheon right now. (laughs) Did you see her little video on Instagram when they gave her the like, it's like a, the jacket. Well, it's not a jacket. It's like a long coat. Yeah. Did you see? She was so cute. And she was like, well, I don't know where I would wear this. And so like <laughs> her younger staff were like, girl, here's where you're going to wear it. And right. then she made it like the cover of her magazine. I just love Oprah and I love Beyonce and it feels so right. Funny enough, I was just asking my coworker today. I was like, do you think Oprah combs her own hair? <laughs> And she was like, I guess she might do it before bed. That was a random question. (laughs) Well, so I remember a few years ago, she did a magazine cover in a ponytail. And her hair is thick and long. And she's like, y'all have to understand that I pay people to do my hair. (laughs) Uh, It grows well. (laughs) But she was so excited when she first got her ponytail. Not unlike me, when I put my hair in a ponytail. I was about to say, and that's that's one of those moments that's like peak black girl, and it's like, man, we really all did grow up in the same house. Because every time we get a little hang time, it's like, uh oh, y'all can't say that to me now. <laughs> Even nowadays, like, because this week I actually clocked five years of having dreads, and Yay! so nowadays it still like shocks me that I have longish hair it's super not super long it's probably a little bit past my shoulders but the fact that like because i cut my hair all the time so the fact that i have hair is past my shoulders you can't tell me anything <laughs> <laughs> i love it 
when I was on the yard, I had like a tiny fro. I couldn't whip my hair. So <laughs> I'm finally able to whip my hair. And it's just amazing. Girl, listen, I had a pixie cut back then and I whipped my neck until I, <laughs> until it hurt. Okay. <laughs> I guess. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to mention, oh, are we, are we done with Oprah in her yeah. Ivy Park? Uh-huh. So I was going to move on and I was going to mention um, Tiffany Haddish and Cat Williams winning Emmys. Uh, of course, this is both their first Emmy, but I left somebody very important off of that. I left Keenan off. <laughs> and Keenan deserves, okay? We've been in love with him since Keenan and Kale, right. since all that. And he deserves. Well, um, it's just, in a way, it's weird to me that all three of them got their first Emmys, considering like Cat Williams and Keenan have been in the game. Forever. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I and um so Tiffany's was for her episode of Saturday Night Live. And of course Keenan's comes from Saturday Night Live. But um Kat's comes from his episode of Atlanta. Do you watch Atlanta? No. Wait, Doyen, you don't watch Atlanta? Do you want to do this? <laughs> Okay, so guys, okay, guys, we're gonna we're gonna take a we're gonna we're gonna take a sidestep, and we're gonna take this moment to explain some things. So um, another good girlfriend of ours, a good friend of the pod, she and I have taken this journey into um, introducing Doyen to black film and cinema. And we're talking blackity black black film. <laughs> and so uh I would say that our friend is like the pantheon. Like she she's the exemplar. She's uh, there was like a meme with like 47 films. She's watched like 45 of them. I, on the other hand, have done about 25, 26. And Doyen, would you like to tell the people how many of those films you had seen? Um, I still stand at a strong eight. Yeah, I well, don't think it was I started off with a strong eight. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to say you're wrong up. <laughs> but it was also- First of all, all the Friday movies were on there. I watched that. I own the trilogy. Uh, Black Panther was on there. Black Dynamite. Um, Baby Boy. And you know I watched the shit out of Baby Boy. Baby Boy. So- oh, baby Boy. <laughs> If you have BET, you've seen Baby Boy. <laughs> so we have we have this Monday night movie night, and and it's not always classic black films, but um, mostly that's what we've been doing lately because we're on this journey, and I'm I feel so proud to to take Doyen on this journey. So this past Monday we watched Juice. Now I just want to say that um, I think it was Doyen's idea to watch Juice and I forgot how much I love this film. Doyen give give me your give us your like your first quick take of the film. Okay. So first of all the reason 
why I wanted to watch this was because I wanted to watch Don't Be a Menace in South Central while drinking your juice. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that I'd watched all the movies before. And before <laughs> we actually watched uh, Menace to Society. I like juice. And the reason why I like juice is because it wasn't as hardcore as Menace to Society or New Jack City where they're just killing people for no reason. I mean, there is still death. But literally, they had just desensitized me, they being my fellow movie watchers. <laughs> <laughs> the point where I'm like, oh, there's only like six deaths. That's fine. This is a good movie. But these are these are friends, though. Like, friends. Like, I told, before the movie started, I was like, Doyen, I just want you to keep in mind that I cried a lot like as a teenager watching this movie and I actually teared up a little bit last night too <laughs> so I gave her a warning but... and I was like so okay with this movie <laughs> <laughs> I was I'm... like it's fine he just fell over because he wasn't doing right anyways all is well that ends well and that's all that matters to me <laughs> so your overall take from Juice is you like it yeah, I mean, I might not watch it ever again, but it wasn't <laughs> personal and painful. And you liked it better than New Jack City? New Jack City was awful. Everybody died. You liked it better than Paid in Full? Paid in Full wasn't horrible, but for the first week after I watched it, I was very like hesitant to open my apartment door. Oh. Unless somebody wasn't there to like beat my ass. And so here was here was a fun part. <laughs> so the the opening scene of Paint in Full, I'm like, okay, Doyen, I know you recognize this scene. You know, what's this scene from? And she's like, uh <laughs> have you have you since learned what that who re, who recreated that scene? You told me and I immediately forgot. See there. You know what? You know what? <laughs> And I'm and and that's your homework for next week. I'm not even gonna remind you. <laughs> okay. But back to Atlanta. Yes. My thing with Atlanta is like I'm just not really super into like hood dramas. I enjoy um childish Gambino's humor of it, but I'm just super just not into the storyline. So <laughs> I think I think what I like best about the show is that because he has such a uh, Donald Glover has such a I love his sense of humor too. He has a dry humor. He loves dry humor, and I do too. Yeah, and I I love his he brings all of the black nerd boy quality to this show, but it's still black as shit <laughs> like it's still Atlanta you know and I I really I really would like for you to start watching it so <laughs> the episode with Cat Williams he's like um Paperboy who's a, another character in the show he's Paperboy's uncle but he's like <laughs> he's off his rocker a little bit and he has a pet alligator in his house and my favorite part of the entire show is when 
<laughs> is when Donald like really doesn't believe that he has an alligator and these kids are on the front yard and this little girl goes, he do got an alligator. <laughs> and Cat, Cat Williams like, them cheering ain't lying to you. <laughs> and y'all, you just don't know. So I've been on Twitter since 2008. I have never changed my Twitter handle. That episode made me change my Twitter handle to he do got an alligator. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> so anyway, I thought that was um, to start us nice and upbeat. I I, I, I really want to congratulate them for their wins. And I did not watch the Emmys, but from the looks of it, it was a black night. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that too for once. <laughs> um, so... Overall, um, I think generally, I like to talk about politics. I spent a lot of time thinking about politics. Yes. So y'all are going to catch a little bit of my uh, raging liberal on this show. <laughs> and so today I downloaded Fear um, on Audible. So Fear is by this guy named... I want to say Bob Woodworth, and he's a very esteemed journalist. Um, like everybody knows that he's just on his stuff. And so he wrote it about the Trump administration. So, of course, he has all the receipts, including names. And it's just kind of like talking about the rise to Trump's rise to the top. But also, like, how he literally just does knows nothing. Like, he just doesn't know anything. And God. to be fair, like, half of it, I'm laughing. And the other half, I'm like, dear God, this guy is a guy that, like, has our nuclear codes. And, you know, like, um, at the beginning of the, uh, of the book, they were talking about how, like, Comey and some other people on his team would like just take papers off his desk because like if it was on his desk, he would have signed it and it would have been very impactful for our country. So it's like a paper that um, if he signed it, we would have left NAFTA. <laughs> and so they just took it off his desk and then, you know, like he don't remember. So <laughs> Yeah. So they're basically babysitting him. Yes. Basically. But they're also saving our nation. <laughs> In a very sad way. And so... Uh, no, it wasn't Comey. I think it was Cohen. But um, yeah, so they're just talking about like even things like they approached him earlier to like run against Obama and they're like, hey, you know, you want to run for the Republican Party. They're really big about voting. You barely vote. And he was like, oh, no, I vote all the time. I've been voting since I was 18. We're like, no, we have a list of, you know, the number of times you can vote because that's public record. <laughs> and he's still trying to lie and I'm just like what like <laughs> that wasn't even necessary I don't know to me I'm like I think about situations and I'm like is it really necessary to tell a whole lot or just like ignore it and thought, he just tells so many unnecessary lies that's why I'm convinced something is wrong with his brain because why give me a lie I don't ask for I think it's just part of his nature you know um I don't know if I mentioned this to you uh, in the group chat or not. Um, 
y'all we have a group chat where it goes down okay (laughs) i've started this new podcast uh the wilderness did i mention the wilderness i don't believe so so the the wilderness talks about how we got here and it's really a history of the of the democratic party but it builds up to how we got to trump so i i I am really interested in hearing your your take on that. Um, just how do you think we ended up here? Really? Honestly, I feel like it's just rampant sexism. <laughs> yes. Because, like, yes. it just doesn't make sense. Like, if any man ran with the amount of... Uh, experience that Hillary had. Yes. They would have been a shooting. And the thing about it is, like, truly, I can't be mad at America because popular votes, she won. And and that's what makes me angry, Doyen, is people keep saying, well, you know, America voted for who they wanted and, and he won. And no, we didn't. And no, he didn't. Like, no. And it's and- a numbers game. Like, even, like, even like Texas, winner takes all. So the fact that like every major city in Texas, apart from Fort Worth, voted for Hillary, but it's just like the other people in the fringes that didn't, and even the suburbs that didn't, and the fact that like the whole state of Texas goes to Trump. And like think about it, both me and you, we we've lived. In, I've lived in Mississippi. We both lived in Mississippi, and then yeah. I live in Texas, and I vote every time. Yes. And vote never gets counted on yeah. the macro level. Yeah, for what I'm voting for. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And I I kind of use that point when I try to push um, people in the community to be sure that they do their participate in their local elections because those. Uh, so just to be honest, those are what's more important for us that live here, because it doesn't matter how many of us vote blue in Mississippi. Mississippi's going to count red. It doesn't matter. But at the same time, like Alabama, for the um, there were more, we were able to flip it. And the thing about it is like Mississippi legit, we're like 40% black. <laughs> So, like, literally, it's just, if we could galvanize a few white people to add to us, and we actually do show up, I think we could start to turn red states purple. And I think that's what Texas is about to do with Beto. Yeah. Because, literally, I drive in, like, Highland Park, which is, like, the most, like, conservative, like, super, maybe not conservative, but they're usually, like, old money that lives out there. And, like, I drive around there, and there's, like, signs about Beto, because I think... Like I said, Texas, we, we're turning purple. It makes me happy. <laughs> and that's good. And that's good. And one thing that holds Mississippi back would be a lot of our voting laws. And if we got on board and did yeah. the things that Alabama has done and the things that Georgia has done to make sure that we're not holding disenfranchised people down, then yeah. those votes will matter. But Mississippi is known for a good old gerrymandering. We love it. Yeah. We love it. And, I mean, we, <laughs> and we love to keep people from voting because they did a little time, regardless of what that time was for. You know, it's just 
it's it's the people in power the number is small but they work hard to make sure they maintain that power and that is why it doesn't matter that Hillary won the popular vote. The electoral college will always be here. I yeah. hope I'm. I hope I'm wrong on that. Like I, I pray I'm wrong on that. But the people but I mean, who are in power, they're going to make sure they stay in power. Yeah. I mean, the craziest thing is like, if it wasn't for the electoral college, Gore would have been president. <laughs> if it wasn't for the electoral college, Hillary would have been president. So literally, we we had eight years of just our economy tanked and we're still trying, you know, like while they say the economy is better, but like so many of us that were young people, we went out and got second degrees. And so we are like, you know, we are set back economically. Right. Because of this to be in an economy that's not going to pay us for it. Right. I feel like I'll be paying student loans for the rest of my life. Forever. It gives me nightmares. Anyways. Now that we're on this fully happy note, I do <laughs> want to talk about my favorite person this week, and that would be Miss Serena. Yes. Is she still does she still go by Williams or does she go by the other last name? Um, I'm okay. going to say Williams because I don't think I pronounced the other last name correctly. <laughs> And I don't want to be disrespectful. <laughs> I will say that um, most of my friends, it's cool that you got married and I accept your marriage, but I never change names in my phone. I'm just super lazy about it. Unless if yeah, you change same here. <laughs> same here. Your name is going to be the same. <laughs> same here. <laughs> but anyways, so tell me, what were your thoughts about Serena? This past weekend, um, I felt just this heavy sadness, and I felt helpless. And when I feel helpless, it makes me feel angry. But I felt helpless because I just felt so bad for her because they they're constantly at her. It she never if. If it were anyone else, if she looked different, if she had different parts, we wouldn't be having, but with the same record, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I love so much that in Colin Kaepernick's um, ad, he called her the greatest athlete, period. There's no caveat to that. She's not the greatest female athlete. She's not even the greatest tennis she's the greatest athlete period and she it, why does it why does it hurt you know what I'm gonna stop because I'm getting emotional and I don't want to because why does it hurt them so much for her to be great I remember when um they put out that um the numbers for like how often they drug test her like really Really, my 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 body is so offensive to you that you think it has to be manufactured in some way, like it's man-made that God did just create me with a wonderful body that I worked out and that I trained to get it to do the things that it does. Like it's it's like never ending for her. And to be honest, they you know, I 
penalizing her for being violent to the umpire or whoever he is, I feel like she held it together so much better than I would have. Because if I were, if it were I, and (laughs) having gone gone through everything that she's gone through, like this woman almost died giving childbirth. And that's a whole nother conversation because she had to fight for the, like nobody listens to black women. Nobody defends black women. No one listens to black women. No one lets us be great. We have to go above and beyond. We have to be better than everybody else. And still we will get the tag of Shiai. Well, that's the thing about it. Like <laughs> as your resident dark skinned black girl. <laughs> um I think the thing about it is, like, literally due to their standards and their ideals, she's at the very bottom of the totem pole. So the fact that, like, she continues to slay constantly, it's just maddening to them because, you know, they they were fed this narrative and they believe this narrative that, like, you know, white is right and, you know, it's dominant. And then here comes this dark-skinned Black girl. And they cannot deal at all. And even, like, in general, tennis is a sport that is... It just shows, shows the classism of the world. Because, like, you yes. usually you don't see yes. Black people on a tennis court. Or, um, you know, like a... What do you call it? Like a, a country, country club. club. Yeah. You don't see there and so the fact that like she came in and beat y'all in Chiao's game they've they been mad they're gonna stay mad and I mean even like in the black community um especially among the men like I don't feel like she's always gotten the support that she's no now. but at the end of the day I love and especially since childbirth I feel like even more she's more adamant about talking about injustice and talking about you know speaking up for women and I love it and partially it's probably because she does have a a little girl and she wants her little girl to like you know not have to fight through these ceilings that she's fighting through so she would rather like shatter these ceilings today than um you know make her daughter do it in the future and then it was just overall it was such a sad the U.S. Open was so sad because it was like we knew that she was robbed of that, but also because of that, um, the actual winner, which her name completely escapes me right now, Naomi. Naomi. Yeah, yeah. So she too felt bad because she knew that she was robbed of it, and so like literally, it was two black women that weren't able to rejoice in the situation so let me let me ask you this as far as that round you think that serena was robbed not the particularly round that she ended up naomi ended up winning and yeah. honestly like naomi's like not half but she's probably like what 10 15 years younger than serena yeah so like it makes sense that she's probably more athletic but at the same time, it's just like, I think there is a lot that was just, um, you know, weighing down the situation. Maybe, like, Serena was still mad and things like that. But, um, 
I just at the end of the day, like nobody felt like they won. Right. Yeah. That makes me sad. And then for the fact that like even like I was listening to BBC because I I'm a big NPR nerd. And so the guy on BBC, he was interviewing somebody from The Root, and I thank God that somebody from The Root was able to give that perspective that um, the news typically wouldn't say. But he was like, don't you think, you know, like, Black people would be embarrassed by how by her outburst? And it's just like, no, because it was, like, legit. Like, you right. don't, even, like, take away the Black. As a woman, we're not allowed to be angry because it's an outburst, we're being emotional. But men get to be angry all the time. And it's just, oh, this wasn't right. That's well, all. and I'm gonna I'm gonna interject just a little bit because yes, women in general are labeled emotional and they when we are angry, but in my personal experience, white women have been allowed to pitch a fit to be upset over something and then coddling ensues. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to be coddled. But when I'm upset, I'm angry. I don't know how to talk to people. I'm just the typical Black woman. How many times have I, especially because I am in a leadership position and everybody under me is white. No, there is one Black under me. but The majority of people under me are white. How many times today did I restart an email so I don't sound too harsh? Like, that's not fair. And it's not okay. And I'm knowing that there is no way, like, even at my angriest, I have not talked to you as hard as I know some of these men, some of my male peers have talked to you. I know I haven't, but I don't know how to talk to people or I'm angry or I'm rude or I have an attitude. Sometimes it's called passion because I have a passion for what I do. And when I think that things aren't being done right, yes, it upsets me. And that's the same. I think that's why it made me emotional to see Serena go through that because what black woman hasn't been in that situation where you're so angry and you're because it's not right. And you have to try your best to suppress it. And you have to try your best to express how you're feeling in a manner that somebody else deems civilized just so that you can be heard. Yeah, it's not fair. Like, even like, even though you said that white women get to pitch a fit, even that, like, in a way, is still like gender, you know, gender. Like, you've never heard a man anybody say a man gets a pitch of it but then also the thing about it is as black women our anger becomes um dangerous even if we're not yes. like i remember yes. one time i saw my coworker. you know i was joking around i was like oh i'm gonna beat you up and i saw the look in his eyes like change to fear and i'm like wait i cannot fight anything like, <laughs> I'm not a fighter at all. But the fact that you see me and you don't fully understand who I am, you feel like I am threatening. And that's ridiculous for anybody to look at cute little doyen. Like, you're cute, you're petite. <laughs> that's crazy for someone to look at you and feel threatened. when, And you know it's strictly because of the color of your skin. Because nothing about 
you, I mean, I mean this in a good way. Nothing about you is threatening because you're cute and petite. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and, oh, you know, and the thing about it is it was so, it made me, and you mentioned this already, but it made me feel so bad for Naomi because, in all honesty, Serena, in that particular match, she just wasn't playing her best. So I feel like Naomi was going to win that match anyway. I am not a tennis pro. I I could be dead wrong, but I am just looking at what I saw. It looked like she wasn't playing at her best. All of that could have been avoided. And now you robbed this girl of her moment. And then just the grace that Serena showed because she had to, because, and, and, and I don't want to say had to, like she didn't want to, she wanted to, she was very genuine and how, you know, it was very motherly how yeah. she embraced her and tried to help her feel good about her win while I'm hurting about my loss. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love how she stood up for her and that, like, I just, I love her more and more. Because at the end of the day, I was not a tennis fan. I just, I don't believe in running around any. <laughs> so I've never really been a tennis person. But, again, she's just like LeBron. Like, everything she does off of the court just makes me love her even more. So, kudos <sighs> to Serena. Like, I think she did great. Uh she was amazing for somebody who literally almost died during childbirth and came back the next season. She's just, she's just so stand worthy. You know, I feel like I throw my stand-up around sometimes, but Serena is just so stand worthy. But also, shout out to Naomi. I, I really shout hate to Naomi. her first win shrouded with all this drama, but uh, I'm, I'm super happy for her and uh, I'm excited to have two or actually three black girls to root for in the future with tennis. Actually, I think there's another girl too. Maybe four. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that talking about Serena gives us the perfect segue into what we came to talk about today. And that, guys, is anger. <laughs> so that didn't even sound real <laughs> it really didn't like it was the cutest growl ever <laughs> so Doyen when you hear anger do you automatically feel like a negative connotation tied to that um I think also growing up in a church uh, I feel like anger has, like, different places it could be. So even in the Bible, it says that, like, you can be angry and use it in a productive way. Mm-hmm. I think anger is natural. Like, it cracks me up when people are talking about their mood tracker because I'm, like, literally, I have every mood every day. So <laughs> <laughs> which mood do I put down <laughs> Listen, I have a mood tracker and it does get tricky. <laughs> and um, I actually, uh, I subscribe to the the Five Love Languages writer. Yes. And it's actually funny. Yesterday they were talking about uh, just two different types of anger. And one type of anger he talked about was basically... Um, 
basically it was like an anger out of like your inability to feel control oh yes <laughs> and then I'm trying to pull up the other one in my email hold on that that's like the one for me when I feel that I when I feel that I don't control the circumstances around me like I I'm not trying to control someone else but when thing when I feel like things are happening to me and I don't have uh, control that makes me very very angry yeah and I think to some extent I've learned that like I'm very I have like a logical expectation of the world so I feel like if I input this that I should get this out of it yeah. and a lot of times I input this and the other things just don't happen like you know people still do whatever they want <laughs> really <laughs> super frustrates me because I cannot control it. And um, yeah, so the other type of anger was more of like when you do feel slighted <laughs> uh, by people and their actions to you. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily out of control, but it's legit like hurting your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that makes me feel sad more than angry. <laughs> Look, I mix up my emotions all the time. I don't know what I feel. Most of the time, I'm just hungry. You know what? Valid. <laughs> Valid. I all I say to people all the time. I don't. I don't know what I feel, or I don't have the words to express what I feel. All I know is it's not good. <laughs> yeah. Well, so anger, just like any other emotion is valid and appropriate. And in this article, and I'm going to try to pronounce his name correctly. I think it's Moshe uh, Ratson, who is a licensed therapist. He talked about anger and what's good about anger. And I quote him when I say anger is not just aggressive reaction. It provides us with information that allows us to better engage with the world around us. And I really like that. I really like that um, twist he put on anger. And it also makes me think about growing up and having friends and cousins alike who weren't really allowed to show anger but I was allowed to show anger in my home growing up. It was just like, you know, you better watch what you do with that anger. But if you're mad, it's okay to express that you're mad. What about you doing it? What about your, what about your experience growing up with anger? Hmm. I feel like at this point, um, <laughs> my childhood is much of a blur. But um, <laughs> like I said, I don't know, like I said, like I've always just been, I'm always a pro one prone to emotion in my family. Yeah. So I think as an adult, I'm starting to do better as far as like really processing my emotion and identifying the emotion and the cause and what I want to happen out of it. Yeah. And that, that's good. Like we should know what is causing our anger 
Yeah. At the end of the day, like, if I get mad, I'm not cussing you out mostly. I'm not, like, fighting <laughs> you. I'm crying. If I'm happy, I'm crying. You know, if I'm yes. sad, I'm crying. Yes. So, like, <laughs> literally, the same outfit happens most of the time. And the thing about it is, again, I don't like apologizing, so I try not to do things that would cause me to apologize. So I really don't try to, like, act out or speak out on my anger until I figure <laughs> out what's making me mad, why I feel that way, and how I can approach you about it before yeah. I'll try to act out on it. I think we mentioned that. Go ahead. <laughs> I said I don't like to apologize. <laughs> I, yeah, and I think we mentioned that in the group chat before, and that's going to be an episode soon <laughs> about apologies because we're going <laughs> to we're going to teach Doya how to apologize and why it's important. <laughs> so uh mr raxon gives us 16 ways that anger is good now i am not going through all 16 ways (laughs) i'm i'm gonna mention um just a couple of ways and two of these he listed as separate but i put them together because they're together for me in my life so how anger motivates us and how anger also makes us aware of injustice. And the second one makes me happy because again, doesn't it? liberal. <laughs> doesn't it? And everything that I have done um, that I consider to be good juju, just putting good stuff back out there, um, every cause that I support, every every good initiative that I've started at work or whatever always comes from me getting angry at someone being mistreated. Um, It always starts with me feeling like, well, now, wait a minute, that's not right. (laughs) So we have to do something. And I get very angry when it comes to people that I feel like are being mistreated or misused and they are not capable of defending themselves. Yeah, and um, I didn't talk about this earlier in current events but i do want to talk about um both them i think that's how you pronounce his name john um the man killed in dallas yes we're literally sitting in his apartment with the lights off and i i am i'm upset because i and so many people in our community are upset because we know that this is not gonna you know turn out well for him right but I think I do think that that causes me to look for ways in my community. And this actually happened in my community. Yeah. I can, like, help, you know, and, you know, speak on the behalf of, you know, us. Because it was just, it was so wrong. He literally had no chance to save his life. And that's one of the things that I talk to not that particular situation but that I talked to my um therapist about was police brutality and when things like this happen in our community because it makes me feel helpless because you feel like we've been down this road before we've been down this road too many times and it feels like we know what's going to happen and it makes me feel helpless which in turn makes me feel angry and that anger feels like a ball. And so 
she kind of redirected me in the way you were saying doing and she was like okay you may not be able to go and make sure that justice is served to this particular family but what are some things you can do in this community to make it better so i'm i'm glad you have that take on it and you're not letting it fully consume you because that could be really difficult with it being so close to home yeah and like I said, I, I don't feel like anger, for the most part, with me, works like the average person. Well, not even the average person, but, you know, like most people were like, it's just, I just want to know what I can do to help. Um, yeah. It's just, it's really just breaking my heart. Literally, the guy was a stand-up guy. Like, he was literally, you know, up in church all the time. You know, I, I don't know about you, but like in my church, there's really not that many young black men in church. So <laughs> the ones that do exist, you know, we are quick to put him on a pedestal. And so the fact that like he he never had a chance to just, you know, save his life just breaks my heart. Yeah. And that, again, makes us feel helpless because when when something happens to someone, you want to know what they did to make it happen so that you don't do that. Oh, and he didn't do anything. So that puts us in a position where we feel helpless and angry all over again. Um, another, I don't know if this is good, but <laughs> uh, Mr. Moshe Ratson said it was good. So uh, another good thing about anger is that we can use anger to cover painful feelings. And the only reason why I wrote that one down and wanted to point it out is because we should be better at identifying when that happens with our loved ones. Um, and I think because of my profession outside of podcasting, that I'm so used to seeing this, that I'm a little more um, aware of when it's taking place. But you know that old saying, hurt people, hurt people? That is like true. That is very true. And we see this a lot in younger kids, but adults do it too. When you when you have a friend and you've got a loved one who's just seems like they're so mean or like they're always just so hateful, maybe just take some time and, you know, if you're not comfortable with talking to them, just reflect and kind of think about what their life may have been like and what's really going on. And Hopefully it's someone you feel comfortable enough with that you can ask them what's up. Yeah, I didn't like that one. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe you should like deal with your feelings and not cover it with anger. But, um, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I super rejected that one. <laughs> and um, by the way, we will post this in the podcast notes so that you can kind of read onto it and kind of just develop your own opinions about it you know what doyan i love you so much you're <laughs> you're so you you just i think i think we're becoming one because i literally wrote a note to myself to remind doyan to link articles in show notes but i didn't even have to say it <laughs> so we're gonna hurry up and wrap this session up um talking about anger one of the biggest things from psychology today is like you should just be able to recognize when anger is a problem. If you are overly aggressive, if you blame others for your anger, 
if your anger is disproportionate to the situation, I mean, like when people, we've all seen it, when someone gets cut off on the road and then they get out of their car and like beat the next person to death, like that is crazy. That has nothing, that that's clearly disproportionate. Somebody cuts me off, like I'm probably going to stare them down at the light. That's about it. And and to be honest, to be honest, I'm only doing that in my hometown because I feel like I know everybody in my hometown. Not even where I live now would I do that. So recognize when it's a problem. And then we have seven creative ways uh, to express your anger, to help you get over anger. And this comes from the same article in Psychology Today by Dr. Chris Gilbert. And so Doyen and I both picked out one of our favorite ways that they listed. And Doyen, why don't you tell us what your favorite way to express your anger is? So my new favorite way is to sing out my anger. And it's going to be super shady, but I'm going to be like, oh, you raggedy head, bitch. <laughs> and your car look raggedy too. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's probably not going to be that great of a song. It's super not going to rock. But the fact that I could just sing it just makes me feel better because I like to sing anyway. I just wish that you had some kind of, you know, warning before you did that and I had a mouthful of gin. <laughs> Because I did not know that I was going to get you a demo tape. Like, whole side. <laughs> I love it. In Dallas, you would get some angry mixtapes. I love it. I, I, I do have a tendency to want to listen to like hardcore gangster rap when I'm angry. Um, mm. <laughs> but my favorite one was to verbalize. And they named this technique, and I'm not going to attempt to pronounce it because. I have had uh, gin and a little wine too tonight, but <laughs> it's basically when you like put an empty chair in front of you and you verbalize how you feel to that empty chair. Now I don't do that with the empty chair, but I do kind of like replay things in the shower. I mean, come on, bat me up doing, I can't be the only one that does this. Um, my shower time is not for that. It's for singing. I, I, I do. I put on, listen, listen, I've almost busted my tail for putting on some of the greatest shows ever seen on earth in the shower. But I usually in the shower, like my, my, I, my mind just kind of replays what happens. And I say all the things that I wish I could have said at that time. And uh, I get it all out. Like I have full, I have full, I Doing it. Why are you acting like I'm the only one doing it? Me when I'm supposed to be asleep. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So I'm not the only one that does it. You just do yours at a different time. Yeah. So, um, and the final step too. Well, it's the seventh way, which the seventh way to creatively express your anger. You're supposed to do one of the six first, and then the seventh way is to calm talk. And that is literally just going to the person who upset you and let them know what they did. But you have to be calm before you do that. You you should try one of the other things so that you're calm and you're thinking rationally. Now, being in a leadership position at work, what I have to do is wait till I calm down before I address something. Then I create like a bullet point 
script um, before I call the person into my office to address what I need to say. And that's so that I don't go off script. Because one thing, when you confront someone, (laughs) you have to be prepared for what they're going to say back. And when I feel I'm being attacked, I get very belligerent. And I am no longer capable of intelligent exchange. But (laughs) this is why I don't do that, because I make a bulleted list to make sure that I stay on topic, to make sure that what I bring up is factual and not emotional. Yeah. And for me, like I said, I am actually, if you do Myers-Briggs, I am a textbook ENFP. If you're into Zodiacs, I'm a Cancer. And so (laughs) I'm letting y'all know this because it means I'm a super emotional human. And so I have to take that time to process my emotions, see how I feel about things. A lot of times, um, especially not just at work, but like with friendships, I feel slighted because I feel like they aren't being loyal to me in a certain way. And so a lot of the time I have to think, okay, this thing hurt my feelings are you willing to go tell somebody that it legit hurt your feelings or are you just going to get over it? And sometimes that just means I need to get over it because like, it's like, I'd be ashamed to tell somebody that something hurt my feelings. (laughs) But, but also sometimes I'm like, well, you know, this isn't even a deep friendship. We're just cool. You know, like we hang out every once in a while. So I don't have to approach this and things like that. So, um, I have many, many um, coping mechanisms and some yeah. of it is just left. And at the end of the day, like, it's like, oh, well, it's just not worth it. Uh, it yeah, it made me mad, but I get over it or I won't talk to them. <laughs> Which yeah. That happens all. <laughs> I, and now see, Doyen, that falls under the passive aggressive. <laughs> And that is one of the bad things. We don't want to be passive aggressive. But I do, I have to, first I have to stop and ask myself, okay, is it just me? Because I can be overly sensitive about things sometimes. And I have to check myself. (laughs) So we invite you all to check out um, all three of the articles that are located in the show notes. And get your anger in check before you screw something up. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, try not to mess up your money. Okay, Cardi, quit throwing (laughs) shoes at at nice events. (laughs) Ah, Don't get me started on that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're rounding up to the end. Um, Who are you buying a drink for, Chris? Well, <laughs> um, so tonight I would like to buy a Cosmopolitan for Doyen. Yay! Clap, 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 clap. Um, the reason why I want to buy a Cosmo is because there was one time in my life where I felt super classy for drinking Cosmos. Um, those Are you of you Sex in the City. I was just about to say. <laughs> Those of you who are closer to my side of 30, which is, you know, closer to the upward side of 30. <laughs> um, I was heavy into Sex in the City when they first came out. I watched the whole thing. I have the box set. 
don't try me on it. <laughs> but um, so I felt super classy drinking Cosmos. And it's something that I the friends that I have those memories with are some of my dearest, oldest, and closest friends. And so I'm going to put Zoyan in that category because she really helped me um, come see this come to life. I've been listening to podcasts since 2009 um, when I had a professor in law school. He, not law school, oh my God, in grad school. It was a law class, but it was in grad school. And he did all of his lecturing on podcasts. And that's when I was first introduced to podcasts. And so even from that moment, I was like, I could do this. I could do this. <laughs> from 2009 to today, 2018, it's finally come to life. <laughs> Won't he do it? Won't he do it? <laughs> and it's all because of Doyen. And she pushes me in a lot of ways. One one day I am going to get the blog up. But right. I want to I want to thank you, and I want to offer you a nice Cosmo with a lemon twist. Oh, that was so sweet. <laughs> um, I already picked mine, so you can't be mine this week. <laughs> That's okay. Well, I was technically I was yours last week. <laughs> oh, this is true. Okay, so for this week, I um, thanks and shout out to Twitter. I heard an amazing performance of Nina Simone's Four Women. Um, Four Women is one of my favorite Nina Simone songs because it really wasn't that long, but it really told a story of four women um, just in the history of Black America. So um, I would like to buy an old fashioned because I feel like these women would love whiskey as well. To yes. Lettucey, Marsha Ambrosius, yes. Jill Scott, and Kelly Price. And I will, again, I'll put a link to the four women performance um, in the notes, but I just felt like this was a performance that I feel like Nina Simone would have been proud of because these women are so just earthy, such just a whole lot of black women, <laughs> black yes. women. And so I think she would have loved it. And I actually uh, really appreciated the performance, but also it was during Black Girls Rock, which is also just super amazing. Yes, one day I'm gonna get to go. <laughs> well, so, wow. do you have any announcements? Tell the people where they can find us. Okay, so we are on Twitter as PLD Pod. Um, you will probably hear whatever movie I'm supposed to be watching that weekend, <laughs> um, as well as just you know our everyday random barrage of thought. <laughs> uh, we're also on Instagram as Poor Life Decision. Just one decision because we are thinking about our decisions in a singular form and trying to change them all at once. And um, by the way, also our intro songs came from this super great brand called Flex Spectre, and they actually let us use their music for free. So we just want to give them a huge shout out for letting us not sound ratchet on our podcast. <laughs> yes. Well, if that is all, then we will say goodbye and we will see you all next week.
Bye, friends. Bye.